0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Holtcast. I'm happy to be reporting to you after an Aston Villa away win, just as rare as anything else in the world right now. I'm also delighted to be joined by John McKenzie. How are you doing, John? I'm great. Thank you for having me on. Uh, it's, all, it's a pleasure, mate. It's our pleasure. So for those who aren't familiar with you, mate, could you just tell us a bit about yourself and what you're doing right now?
1: Yeah, so I'm a freelance journalist at the moment. i um, trying to make ends meet, but... The majority of stuff that I'm doing is I'll I'll be writing stuff, but I'm also doing a lot of podcasting, and most of my podcasting is done over at a team of John O'Shea's, uh, which is the name of the the podcast. But we're doing a series at the moment called uh, looking for, uh, looking for an idiom, which is basically a, an attempt to think through some of the sort of different aspects of football that aren't often talked about so if you if you like a little bit more of a highbrow conversation it's a little bit like radio four meets football uh, then head over and have a listen to some of our episodes over there we've done things on uh, the way that scouting works we've thought about we're doing narrative soon um, we, loads of loads of different topics like that complexity and simplicity and football tactics how that how that all fits together so those sorts of things if you if you like that do head over and have a listen
0: anything well, that's a bit different from you know the TM trademark average football podcast, yeah, certainly me a bit. So
1: definitely different to that. And yeah, John. So what team do you support? What team is your bread and butter every week? You know, for my sins, I am a League United fan, so um, I'm having having a, a fairly good time this season in the in the Championship.
0: Well, speaking of the championship there 's been a few teams to beat. I think coming into the year, you may have expected Aston Villa to be the team to beat with all their uh, transfer purchases over the last two seasons uh, then maybe you 'd have expected Cardiff to be the team to beat after you know a quite an exciting run at the start.
1: Now, would you say Leeds are the team to beat? I think leads are gonna be there and thereabouts, I think what's really interesting this season is that there's a bit of a changing of the guard in the championship um Now, I was looking through the managers in the in the championship before, and there's as I was reading it there's ten ten managers come from abroad now a couple of those are from. Ireland and Scotland but you've got a different breed of manager coming into the championship you've got Daniel Farker, uh, Yapstam Carlos Carvajal uh, Espirito Santo, he's just coming at Wolves seems to be doing a good job Uh, Leonard Slutsky uh, Slavice Yikanovich, Thomas Christensen they're all coming from all parts of, different parts of Europe and it seems as though that the championship which used to be kind of touted as this league where you didn't really know what was going to happen and it was a hard league and you you basically tried to keep your uh, injury list down and, and playing as well as you could through the season is becoming more and more professionalised in that sense. So I think this season is is going to be an interesting one because looking at, the, as far as Leeds are concerned, we've actually done quite well not going up this se- last season, I think, um, because last season we had a lot of, uh, we, we needed to make a lot of player changes. If we'd have gone up, we'd have probably come straight back down. And what's happened is we've got a new owner, we've got a new manager, we've got a whole new structure over at Leeds, we've got a new um, football football director and actually we've brought in a lot of quite interesting players um, from around markets in Europe that are quite different from the sorts of markets that we've been buying from before and what it's meant is that we've actually built a team that is quite unpretentious in many respects, we brought in a lot of players who no one's heard of before, we've got players playing who um, actually have been written off, so someone like Liam Cooper we've We've been relying on in central defence recently, Um, and it's actually made for quite quite um, I think therapeutic watching for me because we look like a team who are playing as a team, and I think previously in the past we've not really we've not really done that. So I'm quite excited from that point of view. I think no one really knew what to expect from us, and, and so it's good to see us at the top of the table. But there are. I think in that table there are clubs who you, you might think um, you would expect more from that is just not coming from at all. So I think it's early in the season to say whether or not Leeds are going to be favourites to, to get automatic. But um, what, what is different from last season is last season there was two clubs... Who we knew were going to go up automatically, and then the the, the clubs fighting for um, the playoff places were were decent sides. You had Fulham in their pomp towards the end of the season. Uh, you had Reading, who looked very good under Stam. You had Huddersfield, who were obviously brilliant under Wagner. And again, these are these teams are all being managed by foreign managers who who know what they're doing. Um, so this season feels different. It feels as though it's a lot more open now. Um, and it's a shame that we didn't win yesterday because I think had we been able to sort of cement ourselves at the top, we could have maybe done what Newcastle and Brighton did last season and just stay there and thereabouts and not really have to fend off too many challenges. So we'll see how it goes.
0: Well, one of the things that you said during that brings up quite an, like an interesting conversation topic, to be quite honest. Um, A lot of the criticism directed at Steve Bruce, Aston Villa's manager, is that the championship has evolved beyond his abilities. Certainly he's been promoted from this league in the past. But we're seeing a lot of, I wouldn't say untested foreign managers. We see Wagner and Farke at uh, Norwich come in. But is the league evolving into something that f- should follow a more continental approach in its manager- management or situations? Or is it like, do we need to continue to go back to Neil Warnock, Steve Bruce, Pardew, you know, the old guard of football managers? We're currently in this kind of limbo situation at the moment where it's tilting one way or the other.
1: Yeah, I think that's, I mean, that's a really interesting question. And and the reason why it's an interesting question is you have a mix of those managers at the top, don't you? You have, you have managers like Christensen or Spiritus Sancto, um, but then you also have Warnock up there, you have Mick McCarthy up there, you have Chris Wilder up there. And I think for me, the, the question is going to be whether or not these um, more traditionally British managers are going to be able to keep up with with the foreign managers. Because the foreign managers, they know they know how to uh, to build teams that will work in whatever league you're playing in. And I think a lot of these British managers get away with a lot simply because they say, well, we know how this league works. We know what to expect, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So I suspect that um, it will be interesting to see how the the season goes, whether or not clubs like Cardiff, uh, Ipswich, Sheffield United can stay up there uh, with the other big boys. So that's what I'd be interested in seeing.
0: Perfect. Well, I'll just go straight into Steve Bruce then. I'll just ask you straight up if he's the man to uh, take another team to the top of the championship.
1: I I think, yeah, it's an interesting one. Because I think, you know, as as you're saying, he's sort of caught in this league that is evolving. Regardless of how you look at the championship, it's a league that's evolving. And I think the question is going to be whether or not Bruce can evolve with it. Now, that doesn't mean to say that he has to develop all these sort of ticks that uh, continental managers have. But he clearly has to do something um, more than he's doing at the moment. I, I watched uh, the highlights of, of your games through the season so far and it's, it's funny because the, the problem, I think, with Villa at the moment is there's the last, lack of consistency. Um, the, I didn't really ever know what to expect and, and sometimes when it felt like you did well, it didn't feel as though you necessarily deserved to, to do well. For example, the game uh, yesterday. yesterday? Yeah. Um, I thought, you know, you got, you got the penalty uh, and a, a couple of... Uh, Maybe luckier goals in that game, and, and you know you can't simply rely on um, luck all the way through a season of forty-eight, forty-six games. Um, so I think with with Bruce, it will depend on whether or not he can evolve with the league.
0: Yeah, and that's quite worrying. I mean, I've seen articles from six, seven years ago about his approach at Sunderland where he wouldn't even delve his toes into coaching the team during training or getting even into tactics, for example, which strikes me as something quite mm. terrifying. I think that's the right word, uh, terrifying to describe a manager who wouldn't take control of uh, training sessions, and especially one he's so quick to lash out as well, John. Yeah. That's what I
1: feel. Well, It surprises me as well, given that, Given that he was at Manchester United at a period when Sir Alex Ferguson went through an evolution that happened in the league and, and happened both because they were playing in Europe but because they had managers like Arsene Wenger and Jose Mourinho coming in. Alex Ferguson was the, is the classic example of a, of a British manager who realised that he had to do more as soon as he was playing in Europe. And Bruce has been there, he's got that pedigree in his playing career so it surprises me that he doesn't have it in his managerial career as well.
0: Because you see Alex Ferguson not as someone who's potentially the best tactician or even the smartest fellow, but someone who is a leader of men. Hmm. And that's not something you see in Steve Bruce. You see someone who is trying to get, you know, fix a plane whilst it's landing at its destination. It's a a job that's set out certainly for disaster. And um, it strikes me as weird that we see Steve Bruce as someone with this great managerial pedigree when, you know, The uh, results of it we can't really see, except for promotions, which I assume is the job he's been brought in to do. But when you look at all these great managers with humongous pedigrees, they've at least done something Mm. of note, and that's something I unfortunately don't see with Steve Bruce. And I feel like he's running out of time at Aston Villa. Do you get that at all from your following outside as a third person?
1: Yeah, and listening to the post-match interviews he gave yesterday was quite indicative, I think, of the fact that he is... He's feeling the pressure, but he's also he's also kind of he he's developing this sort of persecution mentality, which a lot of managers develop towards the end of their tenures at clubs. Um, so when when he makes all these comments about people being hysterical, etc., um, and then saying, "Well, we won three 0 away from home, therefore you shouldn't really be hysterical," it, it misses the fact that a lot of fans were quite worried about um, the state of the of the win. And also worried about, I think, the long-term the long the long-term future. You, you know, you, as I was saying before, if, if Bruce's team are relying on what seems to be luck at the moment, then you can't rely on that for, forever. And so I think the, the fans have every right to question the way that he's doing things. um I, just even w- watching the extended highlights yesterday, um, seeing how many times the, the the team is just relying on John Terry and James Chester to to make big challenges to to stop goal scoring opportunities was was too many. Even even in a three uh, nil victory, so I think it it will be. I'll be surprised if Steve Bruce is still the manager at the end of the season. And I'd probably go so far as to say I'd be surprised if he was still the manager. By after Christmas, I think,
0: yeah, which is kind of worrying. I mean, we saw Alex Bruce, actually Steve Bruce's son, for those who don't know, uh, his current Wigan player mm. um lash out at a quite high profile villa fan who wrote a blog at him um I believe he said, "Are oh, you happy now? I uh, bet you bet you can't wait to sleep at night or something like that yeah. i uh, don't I think that that comes directly from Bruce, doesn't it really, and I think. It's a, it's a total misunderstanding of that fan experience where it is either the best thing in the world or the worst thing in the world. It's, it's binary like that. There's no middle ground in the general fan experience. And uh, to lash out at fans, and I think to you you know rely on words like hysteria, last chance saloon, panic.
1: Hmm. I
0: mean, we haven't seen much to convince us. As Aston Villa fans, I, I don't know what anyone else thinks outside of you know, the Aston Villa experience. But from what I can see, there's, he's proven nothing, John.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. It, with Without that continuity, where you feel as though the club is getting somewhere, like who cares if he if he's making these statements? I mean, it's it it is the cliche, but let let your players on the pitch do the talking, and and that's not happening at the moment. So he can't simply come out after a three nil win, which has a few fortuitous elements to it, and then say everything's fine. Look, we we won um, three nil. He has to build something. You don't go up. You don't go up into the Premier League through just being lucky and you certainly don't get to the top six in the table just by flying on the seat of your pants. So he has to build something which is is going to be credible and the fans are going to believe in as well.
0: Yeah, it's not like the Premier League where you can deliver like a lightning bolt strike to the top four and end up there for a season or as we saw Leicester do, just run on pure momentum. The Championship is 46 long, agonising games. You no, know, that's the cliche of, you know, but it is, it's every week. It's every three days a match works out as. Then you've got your cup runs, you've got everything, you've got training. It's a lot of energy taken out of you just to win by luck. So something needs to happen. Um, do you see Steve Bruce? I know you said you might not see him as the man here by Christmas, but you do you see after that Barnsley game an element of perhaps things turning around?
1: Yeah, it could it could go that way. Um, but again, as I keep reiterating, it, it doesn't... F- I don't understand what it is that he's trying to do. Um, yes. and I think that's what, as a, as a fan of a team, you want to feel as though you, you have something like prog- a progression. You have some kind of goal, you have some kind of style. And even if you're losing matches, if you feel as though you're getting somewhere, I think that's okay. And the other thing is if you're playing attractive football, which I mean, to be fair, you've got the, you've got the players and personnel to do that. So I think the question has got to be whether or not, um, whether or not Bruce is r- suffering because he's brought in so many new players uh, over the over the window, and I think you've got to give him you've got to give him the benefit of the doubt for a few games and hope that something gels. Um, but again, all the stuff that we've been talking about, where you're saying things like he's using this sort of language of hysteria, last chance, last chance saloon, etc., makes it sound as though he's panicking as as much as as the fans are. And so it would, it would be the, the question is going to be whether or not he can uh, hold his nerve and and carry on and going from there.
0: Well, you said something interesting there. You're not sure what Steve Bruce is trying to do. On your side uh, with Leeds, Thomas Christiansen who's come in from Apple Nicosia. do you see what he's trying to do immediately?
1: Yeah, it's and that's an interesting question because I think last season at Leeds, um, at the beginning of the season, you remember that Gary Monk had a period of about six games where we were really struggling um, and we were towards the bottom of the league. I think we were actually in the relegation spaces. And Monk did this famous... I went to the... It was the Huddersfield game. We lost 1-0 at home to Huddersfield to uh, an Aaron Moy wonder strike from a long way out. And after the game, um, Monk did an interview with uh, Adam Pope who works for West Yorkshire BBC um, and, and does a lot of the press conference stuff. Um, and he said to Gary Monk, basically, we all know that um, Wagner has a has an identity. That's the word that he used used identity. What's your identity? Do you have an identity? And Monk took him to task because he said, "Well, what what is David Wagner's identity?" And you know, put put Adam Pope on the spot a little bit. Uh, but that was for the beginning of the Le- season. Last season was the big question that everyone was asking: What is Leeds' identity? Um, so it's a question I always wonder: like, how important is it for a club to have an identity, such in terms of being able to go and watch the club and say, I know what a club is trying to do, what they're trying to achieve, and it becomes very apparent on the pitch. I think, to be honest, that it is. And I think watching Christiansen play, you do get this uh, idea of, of of how he wants his his uh, the, the club to play, and it is it is by having a very very fluid uh, midfield three and a four two three one. Um, a very solid double pivot um, with a player who will be a little bit more defensively minded and then another who will be a good ball carrier and then generally a big man up front so we got rid of Chris Wood we brought in Pierre-Michel Lasoga from Hamburg in the Bundesliga and and it seems to be working for us now Um, obviously it didn't work for us yesterday and uh, I didn't get to I haven't got to see the full match yet I will watch it back on LUTV later today when I've got time um, so it'll be interesting to see how that game broke down. But when looking at the looking at the stats, it makes for bad reading because we had we had one sh- chance in the whole game, which was off target to Millwall's multiples. I mean, they were approaching thirty shots. Um, so there's clearly there's clearly something there that's been um, unlocked, and it'll be in- in- interesting to see what Neil Harris has done to to cause lead such problems. But as to as to your question, yeah, I do think Christensen is. Developing an identity, it's a, it's a it's a very particular way of playing football. It's a very attacking way of playing football, um, and it's very reliant on having um, a couple of very skillful wingers. We have um, a, we have a guy from Macedonia called Esgan uh, Alioski on the on the wing, and he is partnered by um, Pablo Hernandez on the on the other side. So. Uh, yeah, I think I'm quite excited about the way that the, the Leeds team is shaping up at the moment. Yeah, John, it's in-
0: interesting that you say that You know, Millwall were a- able to potentially unlock something in Christensen's system because I feel that my manager won't be able to exploit any flaws in your manager's philosophy or system, which isn't right in this day and age of football. You want two competing systems to so go to give and see which you know manager's the best tactician. I don't feel that will happen when Villa play Leeds twice, as they will this season, or any other team. We have a manager who knows his stuff, and that worries me. And I think it should worry every other Aston Villa fan. We shouldn't blindly back Bruce if we're going to potentially scrape victories away from home, and then kind of go revert to that nil-nil at home. You know, stealing away wins. I want us to be able to have a manager in charge who's going to look at each team individually and set up his team to exploit vulnerabilities in the other team. And that worries me.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, it comes back to what we were talking about before with the evolution of the the league. I think in the past you probably could buy in talented players. Because as I see it, you, you do have so many talented players in your team. you but you, you almost use that as a reason or an excuse not to um work on any sort of tactical system. Um and so you are just relying on having better players who will perform in those clutch moments. Um which I think in the past may may well have worked, but I d- I don't think that you can get away with that anymore. I think you know that's that's the thing that we learned from David Wagner. It, it is the fact that you can build a, a team with players who are very much not well known or not particularly flashy, uh, but you can achieve a huge amount with the, with those with those players. Now, of course, there will come situations where you have to go um, up into the Premier League and then spend a, a, a bit of money to. to top your team up but in the championship I think it is becoming more and more about actually playing your team in the right system you can't simply rely on having players who you've spent like double digit millions on um, anymore
0: yeah it's it's a short-termism that worries me because when you see a side like Huddersfield and Leeds are the potentially best examples of this bringing in a manager who's able to implement not only a system but a long-term philosophy um with Aston Villa, it's kind of they've mentioned this thing called the Villa engine, which will have long-term benefits throughout the Academy and you know the on-field product. But oh. um I can never I've never been able to pin down what you know, you know what a Tony Pulis side is, you know what a Venga side is, you know what a yeah. Ferguson side is. You know, you don't know what a Steve Bruce side is, and everyone kind of lumps him in with the War Knocks and McCarthy's and the Pulises of the world, and yeah, that's mm. true. He's been around, he's a part of the old guard. You just don't know what his side brings. He changes formation on a whim, and um, we're either going direct to one game, we're countering the other, we're trying to win a possession battle, or you know a midfield trench battle. In another match, we don't have anything reliable, and I think that is de- heavily detrimental to the club.
1: Mm. Yeah, no, I agree. And but I think the problem is, is that if you do get rid of him, where do you go? You know, you, you don't want to be getting yeah. Harry Redknapp into <laughs> into your club just on on the uh, just desperation.
0: Exactly. And uh, as we saw yesterday, Harry Redknapp has finally given the coup de grace by, um, I think it's Trillion Trophies Asia who own the Blues now. And yeah, I think that was a long time coming, but that's disastrous. I mean, buying 14 players on very, very high wages. I mean, I won't point any fingers. We've done the same. But um, Birmingham City were offering more for John Terry than we were. And if he signed for them and Redknapp left, there'd be a hole, which they are in. So nothing. Yeah. But yeah. uh. As for more Aston Villa stuff, I think we had the match with Middlesbrough midweek, uh, going on to this Barnsley match. Picture looks a lot more rosy now, coming off an, an actual win. Considering we've just had two nil nil draws against Brentford and Borough, and now we've got a win. I mean, that's some a situation where you feel like you would be rude to point fingers and complain about Villa's football right now.
1: Mm. Yeah, and I, like it, like I said, you know, because you are so early after the transfer window and you brought in so many players, it would be unfair to expect. Um, Bruce to immediately work wonders. Whether or not that's going to happen in the future, we'll never know. But I, I do think that um, you 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 do have the players. I mean, you have just an incredible squad of players. Just looking through the the, the lineup for the game against Borough, when you've got Henry Lansbury, you've got Robert Snodgrass, you've got Keenan Davis, who's been very impressive from what I've seen this season. You've got Neil Taylor. James Chester, John Terry, El Mahamedy, the, the Sam Johnson was very, very impressive as well from from what I've seen. So I, I think, and even on the bench, it's just, you just look down there and it's just a sort of, I mean, some of them are obviously Premier League rejects, but you do have the players to, to pull together and, and and achieve something. The question is whether or not Bruce will be able to maintain their respect for long enough, which seems to be the way that it goes now, as soon as you lose a dressing room, that's that's that.
0: The problem is not only losing the dressing room, but sacking a popular manager within the dressing room and then thus creating a situation where the next manager loses the dressing room just by default, as we saw when Villa actually went down when they hired Remy Gard, who came into a situation where basically no one liked him. Yeah. As, a, as Aston Villa's team stands out, what is there any particular player that singly stands out to you, John?
1: Well, I watched um, as I said, Keenan Davis yesterday was very impressive. Um, he's the sort of forward man who can really make you pr- produce in in the championship. And if you played, I mean, wide players next to him, you've got Snodgrass, you've got Bjarnason, but you've also got Jonathan Codger, who's a great player, Albert Adoma, who I've always been pretty impressed with. And your defense seems really um, tidy, neat and tidy. It's, you've got pedigree in in that in that um, defense. You've got players like Yedinak as well, who can. Who can hold uh, a midfield as well so it it does it does look like a, a team that could easily push the the way up the table if they if they get their act together
0: so I believe we've probably answered this question in general over our conversation thus far, but looking at the squad as we have it it's bang on it's a nail on for not only automatic promotion but surely winning the title so why i I can't answer this, so I'm hoping hmm. that we can bring in a third party like yourself John to tell us why <laughs> Cannot win a title, well, cannot win promotion.
1: Yeah, well, as, as I've said so far, you know, you can't simply mix players, ingredients yeah. together and, and and expect to have a beautiful cake at the end of it. You do have to do things in the right order, and it, and and you do have to have patience. And unfortunately, in the current football uh, landscape, you can't. We don't. We don't. Like you said, it's just short-termism. But you need to have a sort of long-termism to the season. You have to recognise that you will take a few games to get going, that the players will take time to gel together, the manager will take time to work out who his best eleven is and what formation to play. So, yeah, you've got to to have faith in the manager to do that. And the question for you guys is whether or not you think uh, Steve Bruce will actually ever do that. Um, But, yeah, in terms of the bare raw material you've got everything that you need there's there's looking at your squad there is no position where you are looking weak at the moment
0: so i think uh, to wrap things up we'll take a just a general overlook at the championship again apart from leeds who are doing apart from you know a soggy loss to millwall over this weekend mm. i see them as a team that is should be finishing at least second wolves are blowing away all expectations of before what happened with mendes and they've brought in everyone who do you see as the three teams that will go up this season? I mean, it's early doors.
1: Yeah. Well, if, we, if we're positive and we say that Leeds will make automatic, I think the other team who are most likely to make automatic are Wolves, if they can keep Diogo Hotter fit, <laughs> because a lot of what they do seems to be through him at the moment. Uh, but they look, they look decent. Then the question of the other four teams in the playoff places, you know, I have no idea. I think it'll be interesting to see how Wednesday turn out because i feel as though what they've done there what carlos carvalho's done there is built a team and they've they've been there or thereabouts as the, as the old cliche goes for the last few seasons and i think they really if they can push on get get a solid automatic promotion place they've got the experience now they've been they've been in the in the playoffs they they can they can push on um beyond that i'll be interested to see how um, Farker does at Norwich um, because he obviously comes with a huge amount of pedigree from um, helping out one of the Bundesliga club's youth setups, ups um, and there's a lot of exciting players coming through the Bundesliga itself actually with those sorts of credentials so and, and obviously we've had David Wagner as well before so it'd be nice to see them there and thereabouts Forrest, mm, I'm, I'm not convinced they will but I yeah, I'll I'll say Sheffield Wednesday is the as the team that'll go up through the playoffs. Um but at the moment it's like I said at the beginning, that it does feel as though there's a bit of a changing of the guard. Some of the, the clubs that you would expect to be up there really aren't. And um I think the thing is standing in Leeds' stead is that the clubs that who who've gone down from the Premier League last season just haven't really kicked off at the beginning of this season. So there's not there's not really that sort of nailed on um um competition that you might may, maybe expect in, in the championship this season so I think it's it really is a, uh, is really a chance for Leeds to to make their most of, of, of the season of the table that they have facing them really
0: certainly an enjoyable and exciting league and I think I speak for everyone when we say that. as long as Burton stay up you know it's a feel good story for everyone that like we can all enjoy
1: John yeah and they've had a couple of good results recently so yeah, it's, beating it's the Blues good. isn't a bad result is it
0: <laughs> well yeah uh, John it's been great to have you on uh, we'll talk at length first certainly down the line when we know how the championship is emerging but uh, yeah where can uh, people who are interested in what you've got to say find you
1: yeah the best place to go is Twitter as always that's where most of my things go up online so my Twitter handle is at John and that's John without an H so J-O-N underscore Mackenzie, and that's McKenzie with an A so M-A-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E so at John underscore Mackenzie.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you very much for coming on. As usual, it's been the Hotcast with me, James Rushton, at Gemma Rushton on Twitter. You can find us on Blog Talk Radio, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. And yeah, please uh, like, subscribe, whatever, leave a comment. We always like to hear your feedback, and yeah, we'll try and get some good guests on like John in the future. Thank you very much for listening. We'll catch you later.